Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy Podcast. I am your podcast host, Shay Pate. As you know, we're always trying to make people accountable for their actions. And today's topic is something that I know a lot of listeners are very passionate and upset about. So today we're going to talk about the stimulus payments and unemployment and how the administration is, or should we say, is not handling it. So I'm going to have my, my guest introduce herself and tell the listeners why she thinks she is qualified to even talk about this subject because of her educational background. So, listener, please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Heather Brown. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. I um, was a financial analyst for over 25 years. And currently, I'm unemployed, so I'm living it. Wow. I mean, when you're a person that lives it, it makes it a little more real so you can tell the listeners exactly how it's affecting you and your household. So, let me ask you a question. Are you in favor of Americans receiving a second stimulus payment for $1,200 during this pandemic? I am. I sure am. Because what, I mean, what people need to understand is what is a stimulus payment? A stimulus payment is to stimulate the economy. So basically, the, the government uses the consumer as a tool to get the money into the um, economy. So by them giving us $1,200, we're kind of like the little elves that go out and spend the $1,200. So we're going to work because we're going in all these stores spending the money, which in turn stimulates the economy and keeps our economy alive. So, yes, I'm in favor of it because it will help bring our economy back because our economy is, is tanking right now. Wow. And see, that's something that the everyday listener can relate to exactly what you're saying and I hope they're really paying attention of how important this is. So this is some... Because, um, I mean, not to cut you off. No, that's fine. A lot of times the government wants to give businesses money instead of giving it to the people. The people are the one. It doesn't matter if your store is open right now. If I don't have $100 to go in there and spend it, then your business doesn't do anything. So the consumer is what ignites everything, being able to go into that business and spend. Wow. That's everyday, that's everyday people. So that's really important that the stimulus payment gets put out. And if I'm not mistaken, at this very moment, isn't there like a recess? Everybody's back at home and not trying to work on this? Well, Congress is out for the whole month of August in between a pandemic and um, the moratorium on evictions expired, the um, enhanced employment payment expired. So Americans are sitting here waiting for them to come back off of vacation September 1st. September 1st? I'm wow. Three, I'm in week three of not having the enhanced um, unemployment payment. Wow. So that means a lot of Americans are in your position. And these small things to them that they think is small is really putting people in eviction situations. Uh, there's just a lot of things that it, they may seem, this may seem small to a lot of the people in Congress, but these three months or three weeks are really affecting people's lives. I'm hearing that eviction notices are now going back into effect, even though on TV. Well, I'm sorry. Right, what happened is 
um, when the moratorium was set, then, um, you know, landlords couldn't evict you and mortgage companies couldn't foreclose, but that expired at the end of July. So a lot of people didn't pay June, July, I mean, maybe May, June, July, and now that it's August and they lifted that moratorium, now um, landlords are saying, you got three days to get out. Wow. Because they've been waiting for three months, and now that they can evict, they're, they're um, expediting it. So where are the people supposed to go? I don't know. Let's ask our congressmen. I mean, because they're the ones holding this thing up. I, I, I thought they were our leaders. They were the ones that were supposed to protect us in, in, this, in this type of situation. And they're all just know. chilling. Wow. <laughs> so, so let me ask you another question. What group of Americans do you think should receive the stimulus payment? Okay, so all Americans are not negatively affected by the pandemic. There are some people that still have their, you know, regular jobs. I mean, they may be working from home, but they're still getting, you know, their regular pay. That's not who really needs to receive it because there's a lot of people that are, have been negative, negatively affected by this pandemic and they need help right now. So, I mean, this is just my opinion. I think that the $100,000 income um, limit was appropriate because most people that make it over $100,000, they're probably okay, you know, to at least be able to afford the essentials. Right. Um, so I was okay with the $100,000 um, limit. Um, but then they, they start getting into documented and undocumented. And I really don't, I mean, I'm kind of indifferent with documented or um, undocumented or undocumented. I think that as long as you're paying taxes, that you should receive it. If your income is under $100,000 and you're filing your income tax returns, I think that you should receive it because um, that's the way they track us down by where we get our refunds or, you know, make our payments to the IRS. So you need to be, because if you're undocumented and you're not filing taxes, how can they even find you? Right. That's what I've always, I've always had that question. How do you know how many people are undocumented if you don't have no documentation? I've always wondered that question. Do you know anything about that? I, I just never well, understood the, that. That's the problem because they're getting paid under the table. So, and they don't have social security numbers, so you can't track them. So how could you give them a stimulus? That's they're true. They're like non-existent. Right. Even though we know they're here, everything's tracked by your social security number. And if they don't have a social security number, it's like they don't exist to us. That makes sense. The government. That makes sense. Even though they know that they're doing hard labor somewhere else. Wow. Yes. That's interesting. Okay. Well, the unemployment rate is very high right now. So what do you think the federal government should be doing to help unemployed Americans? Okay, so... Yeah, the unemployment rate is somewhere in the double digits, which is very high. And, of course, I'm one of them. So, um, what, as soon as this pandemic hit and we shut down the United States, I think there's three things that should have happened. I mean, you know, the very central is normally food, clothing, shelter. Well, I'm going to take clothing out because we all need new clothes during a pandemic. But we, we do need shelter. So, um, the first thing they should have did was freeze all mortgage and rent payments. How long do you think um, they should have done that? Well, what you, well, you just let the American people know 
um, like back in March, whenever they shut down everything, don't pay your rent and don't pay your mortgage. And and then, you know, the government has the, the ability of letting mortgage companies and landlords and everybody know, don't expect a rent payment. Because you have to freeze that because that's like a bare essential. I mean, you have to have shelter. Food, okay, they gave the enhanced, I mean, for those unemployed, they did get the enhanced $600 a week. Um, unemployment payment. So that was the correct thing to do. But instead of closing, I'm going to put car payments in there because I feel like transportation is essential. So freeze the mortgage and rent payments, freeze the car payments, and go ahead with the $600 um, a week enhanced unemployment payment. That way, everybody's staying in their home or having a place to stay. Everybody has transportation to get to Well, it's so funny that you say that because that's actually my situation. I had to take a $20,000 pay cut, which may not sound like a lot to people who make a lot of money, but that's a whole salary for a whole bunch of people. And I still got the same lifestyle. Now, one of the things that I do know is happening is the banks are allowing mortgage holders to postpone their mortgage payments. So to me, if they're allowed to do that, I definitely think those who are renting should have that same option. But I think with the mortgage companies, I mean, I think it's a good deal if they put those payments on the back end. So, like, if you still owe 20 years of your mortgage and they let you go for six months, then you owe 20 years and six months of payments. Right. Back on the back end. Right. See, some of these companies were trying to say, oh, I'm going to let you go for six months, but in month seven, I need seven months of payment. Like a balloon payment. Well, that's when people yeah. been losing their mortgages when they were doing predatory lending. They were doing that same thing. That's That should be illegal. No, because obviously if you didn't have the money, <laughs> if you didn't have the money initially, you definitely won't have six, seven months worth. <laughs> right, like I'm sitting here saving $1,000 a month to catch up on these rent payments. I'm just trying to make it. <laughs> right. No, I agree. I agree with you. And see, that's yeah. something that people don't really understand because I know people, just like you were saying, that just assumed that it was going to be on the back end, and it's not. And I guess it depends on your bank because I've even had a, a situation where I assumed that, and they kind of put it like that, but let me tell you what they did. They wanted to make it a un, uh, a secure second loan, not a second mortgage, but a second loan on the back end if you sell your house 
or if you refinance, that's added to the the amount you owe them, which to me is really stupid too. Because like you said, why can't they financially just add an addendum to your current mortgage saying that what you were deferred paying or they call it what, uh, forbearance or something? And yeah. you, 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 why can't that just be like you just mentioned, just add it and you know that you got six more payments than you initially had? Right, right. Hmm. So how do we get that? Is that something we would want our Congress uh, people to do? Because I'm guessing since they're still trying to negotiate the stimulus package, these things are probably a part of it. Or what do you think? I, I, I think it, there's something in there because I know that Nancy Pelosi was saying there is something to help renters and mortgages, but it's all about the wording because, you know, most of those senators, in Congress, people, they're lawyers. Right. I tell people that all the time. And you know, I'm, that's my industry right there, so I know how they think. <laughs> right, but it's all So because you are right, I tell people all the time, you know, I get phone calls all the time about legal stuff to try to help people understand what's going on. And I try to explain to people the law is literally something that is designed strictly for people with the education background to do it. That's on purpose because that's how they make the money. You don't understand it. Call somebody that went to school to, to, for this and it makes it a little easier, but it's very expensive to do that and it shouldn't be. Oh girl, that's being nice. <laughs> I can tell you a, a easy 950 an hour people. So my point is they make it so unaffordable for you to do that and I really do appreciate you pointing these things out so that the average person can be a little more cautious about things that they thinking are in their best interest during the pandemic because it's really sad to say there's scams all out there right now and that is scary when you're desperate and you're, you're, you're scared that you're about to lose everything you work so hard to have so that's right. that's that's a good point I'm so glad you brought that up but let me ask you another question do you think employee I mean, excuse me do you think employers should be able to force employees back to work in today's environment no not at all and it's so unfortunate because again we were talking about people being afraid of losing things and, and people being afraid of losing their jobs and here comes your employer saying you got to be back to work August 1st and, um, I mean, it's, it's so unfortunate because your employer does not know your medical history. Only you and your doctor know about it. Right. So, for my employer, say I worked at Red Lobster, for my employer to say, oh, you got to come back to work August 1st, and I got asthma, or I got uh, an autoimmune problem, or something. You know, like, it's unfortunate they have the power to say, well, if you don't come back, um, you're going to lose your job, and so you got to make a decision between your health and the health of your loved one, and you're kind of putting that in your employer's hands, and I don't think that's fair. Well, you know what? Let me ask you a question, and I know we didn't talk about this question, but this kind of feeds into the same thing we're discussing right now. 
What do you think about school? Because I always think that people forget about the other people that are going to be in the school, such as the teachers and the janitors and the lunch ladies and all the other adults that are going to be in an environment where they're going to have kids coming to school and in some cases not required to wear a mask, which to me is really unheard of considering that you are spreading this without a mask. Um, what do you think about that, about people think, in the school? I think, um, opening up the schools this month um, is the worst idea that they're um, going forward with. I mean, kids, historically, kids are like peach tree dishes. Right. Whatever it is, if it's chicken pox, if it's a cold or whatever, they quit this greater. And so you're going to open the ANC. You're supposed to learn from your mistakes. I mean, we saw Memorial Day, the beaches all opened up a few days. I mean, you know, 10, 15 days later, numbers start spiking. Uh, you know, when the protests and everything were going on, numbers kept spiking. Now we're like, I mean, exploding with the cases. Now you're going to open up these schools. In Georgia, unfortunately, we live in Georgia, but fortunately, Georgia is teaching the rest of the country some valuable lessons. Now, before school opened, there were 400 campers at a camp in, in one of these places in Georgia, one of the cities, I'm not sure. Of the 400 campers, 260 of them tested positive. They closed that camp down within one week. Wow. Before school started. Then school started, um, it must have been the second week in August, or maybe the first week in Cherokee County. 960 people are quarantined. That's after the first week of school. So they had to shut down that school. I mean, I don't get, like, these are lessons that we should have learned back at Memorial Day and, you know, right. 4th of July. I mean, we saw, like, opening up the bars and then numbers started spiking. So now you want to open up the schools and numbers are already spiking. So, unfortunately, Georgia's the guinea pig, but we, I mean, the other states should be looking at Georgia. Like, but we're failing. We're still failing them. Yeah. I mean, look how the girl made national news. They they tried to suspend her for posting that the hallway in Georgia, I think it was Paulding County, was full of people. They were crammed in a hallway with no mask. And then, of course, people started right. getting sick. And they punished her. But then when it made national news, they kind of rescinded the punishment, which I think is silly because now you right. bullying kids don't tell. Well, wait, you want to shoot the messenger. Right. You want to shoot the messenger. <laughs> but that just shows how ignorant, you know, Georgia is acting irresponsible. I mean, these are kids. You got them crammed into a, a hallway with no mask on. Wow. Do they, do they realize that this is a virus? This thing doesn't care what age you are. It doesn't care what color you are. It doesn't care if you're rich or if you're poor. This thing is like Pac-Man. It's just transmitting. It's just looking for somebody to transmit to. And when you gather like that, it's just, it's just boom, 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 boom. I got you, I got you, I got you. Wow. Why would you put kids in a situation like that with no mask? That doesn't make any sense to me. And it's making Georgia look really um, ignorant, foolish. Yeah, I agree. I mean, some of my coworkers are 
parents of kids in those same areas. And to my surprise, they're excited about their kids going back to school and they really don't think it's as bad as it is. And, and I, you know, some situations you have to let the conversation just stay where it is because if you start debating it, friendships and especially when they're coworkers, it gets out of hand. But I was very surprised because some of these people to, in my opinion, as my friends are very logical and and I'm like, wow, didn't expect that answer. But and I, I get well, to keep. I, I mean, maybe because our kids are adults now. But to some extent, I think a lot of people want to get rid of them kids. They do. I mean, I get they're getting on their nerves, and I also understand that you can't entertain them, but so much. I mean, look at the challenge I have with uh, the twins. I mean, they're they're at the age now. They're getting right. They're in first grade, and how much can you entertain? two almost six-year-olds I mean you can do we do water stuff out in the yard and we do stuff out on the deck and I mean but it's still challenging you don't want them watching tv all the time and we do reading we do game playing but after a while their energy level is so high it's like okay now what and I'm like what do you mean now what I'm getting right <laughs> now what I'm tired <laughs> Right. As a matter of fact, you know how much I watch all those shows, and they'd be like, "Oh, you? Oh, she's watching the news," <laughs> and they t- they turn right back around, and I tell them, "They're like, why are you watch the news all the time?" I said, "Because I need to understand what's happening." You know, a lot of people don't care. And they don't care, but it's affecting them. So we got to, you know, we want to start making people accountable for what's happening. And we have to use this pandemic, staying in home, to do things productive that will affect our lives. And I think people really, really just don't understand how important these situations are affecting us even long after this election. So I'm glad that you're talking about these situations that are passionate to a lot of people in America. Um, so what do you think are some of the challenges unemployed Americans face in transitioning back to work? Well, one of the major problems is in a lot of industries, um, you know, just due to this virus being um, so unpredictable, you know, a lot of people, let's just use the, the restaurant industry, for example. I just had a birthday and we went out for the first time in five months to a restaurant for my birthday. And the way, I mean, I was really impressed with how the restaurant was managed and it was at 25% capacity, so we had our own little table in the corner, nobody next to us. The spacing was great. Um, everybody was mad. They had the hand sanitizer on the table. So I was really impressed. Um, but here's the thing from a worker's perspective. Let's just say I'm, I work at Red Lobster again. Well, I'm a worker, and they're only um, operating at 25% capacity. So guess what? If only 25% of the people that normally come in there are in there now, that means they need only 25% of the workers. So what that means is when I, as a worker, when I used to get 40 hours a week, now Red Lobster can only offer me 10 hours a week because they're only at 25% capacity. So that means I'm getting 25% of my pay. So here's the challenge. How do I give up my $965 a week unemployment check to go back to Red Lobster to work 10 hours a week and get little tips? 
You know, a lot of people that's going to Red Lobster, they're just doing carryout because they're not even going in there. Right. You know, a lot of people are still frequenting these restaurants, but they're just doing carryout or curbside. That's me. That's and me. You don't, you don't have to give a tip to do that. Right. So these workers are in here, and they only got 25% of the people coming in there, so they're getting 25% of the tips that they're accustomed to. So you're going to give up your $965 a week unemployment to go work at Red Lobster for $8 an hour, 10 hours a week. So now you at $80 a week. Let's say 100 because you get a little bit of tips. Out a hundred a week, but you gave up nine sixty five. Does that make any sense? Well, you know what? Not only does it not make sense, but that was one of the things that Mitch McConnell kept saying is his reason why he didn't want to do another stimulus package. He said because, especially in the restaurant industry, that they are forcing someone. I mean, no, no. Let me let me back up. He's saying that people aren't trying to go back to work. Why would they? They're getting more money not being at work. And that's one of the reasons why he was saying that he didn't want to do this, this second stimulus package because the people won't go back to work. It won't force people to go back to work. And he thinks that's making people lazy. But I guess when you make the type of money he makes. Before you force people to go back to work, you got to force consumers in there. Right. Force people to go sit in Red Lobster. So you can force all, you can force all the workers to go back. You can have 100% of the workers in there. But if you only got 25% of customers... And they just standing around, man. Exactly. <laughs> around, man. Tell them again. <laughs> don't, don't get me started on this. But you know I know. That's why, that's why I had to mention it. But I mean, every everybody's feeling it. Too bad we can't really tell the listeners the little avatar I made for you just for him. But, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so that's what, yeah, that's what he's saying. One of the challenges. And also... I mean, okay, you forced me to go back to Red Lobster to go work, and I got uh, a five-year-old and a seven-year-old at the house. So who's going to take care of them? Why right. Why you to go back to work because the schools aren't open yet? Right. And daycares and stuff. I mean, so who's going to take care of my kids while I go make this uh, $80 a week? <laughs> $20 a week. Yeah, why I go hustle for this hundred? Who's going to watch my kids? Right. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, Mitch. I hope you're listening, Mitch. <laughs> I'm going to give one more point, one more challenge. And it's the safety issue. You want me to come out here and risk my life for that $100. Right. Because I'm interacting with people once I set my foot in Red Lobster. Right. So, yeah, I mean, those are the challenges. I mean, those are the decisions that Americans have to make. And I am so sick of people saying, you lazy because you want unemployment. Right. People don't went to school like you, got college degrees like you, and trying to work and be successful, but now you just said forget it. All this hard work don't mean nothing. I just want to be a nine hundred and sixty five dollar a week bum. <laughs> Right, then everything will open up on its own. But because 
And a nightmare to sing like a reality show. Just say it. Right. <laughs> okay, so overall, how do you think the United States is handling the pandemic? I mean, I, I give them an F plus. <laughs> Not a plus. <laughs> Other countries, they hit this thing. They hit the nail on the head, and they did it right, and their cases are almost zero. I mean, we're just... Um, we're just so wanting to open everything and not caring about the, the public safety aspect of it. Um, it's just, I mean, Dr. Dr. Ho was on MSNBC. He's, um, I think he's a professor in one of the universities or something, but he's into um, viruses and all that. And he said that we're going to, he said, we're going to have to shut down again and we're going to have to do it the right way this time. Well, I'm just disappointed. As the United States, you have to shut down everything. You can't let each individual governor decide, oh, Georgia, we're going to do it this way in Georgia. Mississippi, we're going to do it this way. No, it has to be a national thing where everybody's doing the same thing. And New York showed us how to do it. Yeah, that's the part that's really crazy because Como was on it. He was giving us updates. We weren't even living in New York, but he was giving us national updates. So there's really no excuse. But one of the problems we have is that it was denied for over a month that it even existed. So when you get that temporary denial and that it's really trying to be denied again, but when you get that denial and you just stay idle and as you're staying idle, things are getting worse and worse, you playing ketchup right wow and then, like i said you let in one state do it one way another state no universal on, right and on, it just republicans because all the republicans say open up right Exactly. I mean, it's so unfortunate because, like you said, the virus does not care what you are. They don't care if you're black, white, rich, poor, Republican, Democrat. The virus is like, zzz, it's coming. <laughs> yeah. It's just waiting for you to start moving around. Like, if one of them states shut down completely, the virus is like, oh, I ain't got nothing over here to get. I'm going up here where they're walking around on the beach and stuff. Exactly. That's that's exactly right. It has to be consistent, and I think now's a good time to do it. I think we should shut down until January first. Yep. And then get the thing under control. And start the new year off. Yeah, start the new year off. Everybody who was in third grade, this I mean, you know, when this thing happens, you start in third grade again. Everybody's a year behind. Just Oh, that's a good point. Then that way nobody's missing out. I don't know how the colleges are going to handle that, though, because that seems like to be a different beast. Because let me tell you what I saw yesterday on the news. And it's it's in Indiana, one of the universities. I want to say University of Indiana, but I could be wrong. But I do know for a fact it's in Indiana. They were showing how the freshmen were entering the school and they were going into their low orientation. And check this out. They had where if you did not have a paper that said you had already got tested for COVID, they had a machine that they made them, they were showing us, they made them take their temperature, take the test, sit on a different side of the lobby, wait 20 minutes for your results. And then if you pass, they allowed you to go on into your uh, dorm. And I'm saying to myself, hold up. That's good. But hold up. Why isn't that everywhere? <laughs> That's my issue. Right. I'm like, I'm looking at this live. How are you going to do this and show us 
that this can be done. And we've been doing this all these months backwards. Well, I'm, I'm concerned. And I get, I get it that it's probably very expensive. But if a university can afford it, our federal government can afford it. Come on now. Yeah, and because I, I mean, you know, it's funny about affording stuff because you know, <laughs> the, the national defense budget is the biggest thing. Always has been. And we, we've seen that always be able to afford wars. And always. Things and stuff. And, uh, you know, when you're giving these big companies all these tax breaks. Yep. And stuff, they can afford all that. But when it comes to the people who we actually fund the government. Right. Those are our tax dollars. Right. Right. Every school has to have that. And that's the problem. We do this this way in this state. We do it a different way in this state. And that's the problem. That's what Dr. Hogue was saying. He said, quit using the, I mean, looking at the United States as state. Look at it as one. If everybody do this, everything the same time, the same way. That's the only way we're going to get a handle on it. Yeah, Indiana's going to be good up there. But guess what? It's not, it's not good for Indiana University to be very free. so right well i just want to thank you for calling in and i want to let our listeners know that all interviews that we do will be with people who are subject matter experts who have worked or or educated in the knowledge of the topic discussed or who was a victim or, or participant of the topic and i do want to give my disclaimer which i have to do that our guest today is my niece biological niece so, but she's still a subject matter expert. So I don't want anyone to think that we do anything different from the guests, whether they're friends or family or not. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in to today. And if you want to give us an email about the topic, please email us at podcasthostshapate19 at gmail.com. If you're interested in getting active in the organization, email us at ladiespromotingtransparentadvo at gmail.com we ask that you follow us on twitter at advocacy ladies and that's a capital a for advocacy a capital l for ladies or you can just hit us up on the podcast calling line at 404-855-7723 and you know i like to always end my podcast by asking the question what do you have to say thank you for listening